This podcast is part of the Tremula Network, adventure and outdoor podcasts off the beaten track. To find out more, head to tremula.network or find us on socials. Seize Your Adventure is part of the Tremula Network, adventure and outdoor podcasts off the beaten track. Hello adventurers, it's Fran Tarowskis here and thank you all for joining me again today. I have a small bonus episode for you. In the last episode you heard my conversation with Becky Sampson, who is a cyclist who's been travelling the world. And I had that conversation with Becky back before Christmas. As you may imagine, with the coronavirus, her world trip has been put on hold at the moment. But I wanted to know a little bit about where she has been since she left Australia at the start of this year. I thought it would be a good idea to have a catch up with her, find out how she was going with her medication change and to see what kind of adventures she's been up to since I last spoke to her. So without any further ado, here is a little bit of the conversation I had with Becky about two weeks ago. Enjoy. To Sumatra first, left the bikes in a hotel and went onto the jungle, went trekking and hung out with wild orangutans. So that was really cool. Um, And then we went to Malaysia and started cycling from there. So from Malaysia, we cycled up to Thailand, island hopped a bit and then cycled to Cambodia got into Cambodia, were there for a few days. Um, it was amazing. We had Angkor Wat to ourselves, just us and a handful of monkeys because there were no tourists whatsoever. But then Thailand said, we're going to be closing our borders. You've got 48 hours. And we went, <gasps> and uh, we got out there as quickly as we could because we thought if we're going to get stuck anywhere in Asia, it's, it's going to be Thailand. And, you know, just because their health system is slightly better than most other countries that surround it so we hot-tailed it back to Thailand and then just we, we sort of had two options we had the option to stay in Thailand and just wait it out there mm. or to come back and we were like oh, you know what's the the lesser of the two evils because obviously the UK isn't handling the situation quite as well as it could Mm. Thailand at that point was absolutely fine. We thought, well, we could just go to Koh Samui and sort of chill on a beach and wait it out. We chose to come back in the end, which in retrospect was definitely the right decision because we know so many other cyclists that are now utterly, utterly stuck. Yeah. And they've booked flights and every time the flight has been cancelled or, you know, they've been told there are repatriation flights coming out, but you've got to leave your bike in whatever country you're in and, you know, make sure that you've got at least 2,000 in the bank so that you can guarantee getting a seat on the flight you know the flight not might not cost that much but they're saying we want to make sure that you've got this amount of money just in case it costs that much and we were just like wow (laughs) that's a lot of money that you just have like floating around and (laughs) yeah exactly and people were thinking oh well you know we'll just rent a house and sit it out that's not the most practical thing when you know you've got two weeks quickly to find a place to rent and who knows how long it's going to take so we just thought we'll come back and you know see what happens and um when we flew over sort of the the mountains of central asia like i cried i was like we're supposed to be and 
12 hours of flying is what we were going to do 12 months of cycling and I was just like this is not how I wanted to come home and we got to Heathrow airport and it was cold and it was dark and everyone was kind of a bit paranoid and I thought what have we done you know the land of smiles and sunshine and fruit cocktails and now we're here and it's cold and everyone's quite sort of morose and you know in Thailand they're trying to at least when we were there trying not to make a big thing of the virus there were definitely government sort of lockdowns coming into place but it wasn't it wasn't publicized nearly as much as it is here you know here you could turn on the tv and that's all you'd see all day if you wanted to yes it wasn't like that out there and so it's definitely more in your face here and I think that's a somber moves is definitely more felt here so we arrived and went oh what have we done quick turn around get back on the plane (laughs) but as I say in retrospect it was definitely the right decision Mm. Liz and I are planning a cycle from our doorstep around the world next (laughs) we're looking at doing some hiking trails in the UK and I'm like oh this one looks really exciting or this could be cool and I'm like oh you know you get a little bit pulled down because you go well this would be great to do sort of June July August but will we be able to you know as you say you're so in limbo not knowing when you're going to be able to do anything Mm. so because I think uh, there's a lot of people who've like us have been partway through a trip and had to curtail it or people that have just been on the cusp of going on something and you know then had to not go at all so you know it has messed up I think isn't really the right phrase but it's Mm. stopped a lot of plans happening but as you say we are so privileged to be able to even do these things anyway that it's it's a luxury to be able to plan a trip and know that one day you might be able to do it or to have been on a trip and sort of say, yeah, you know, it might have got halfway through and then we had to come home, but we still managed half of it. Mm. You you mentioned in an email after our previous interview that when when we did the interview, you were still feeling quite groggy from changing over the medications and that kind of thing. And then you had a moment where it cleared a bit more and you were feeling much more like yourself it took about maybe three months to do that full transition of coming up onto sodium valparate and coming down off Kepra and I really did notice a difference the first two months I was just miserable as I, I was very much roller coastering. I I would describe it as sort of having a bipolar personality at that point. I'd be having these really high highs and really low lows. And I was more miserable than not (laughs) a lot of the time. And I had zero motivation to do anything. I mean, I was living in Perth five minutes from a gorgeous, gorgeous white sand beach with turquoise seas, picture postcard, and I couldn't be bothered to even leave the house. Like, it was horrible. And it, I, it was definitely to do with the sort of mind mess that was going on with the, the drugs in me because normally I'm, I'm quite active. I like, I like to get outside. I can be lazy, but, you know, there's a beautiful ocean out there. Why not go and just spend the day sitting on the beach? But I just couldn't. And then Liz came down to Perth. She'd been working up in northwestern Australia and we went on a hike called the Cape to Cape Track. And I was 
a little bit worried I wouldn't be able to do it because I literally spent two, two and a half months in bed transitioning onto these new pills. And then we managed to do 135 kilometers in nine days carrying all of our own kit plus the nine days of food. And we did it and it was amazing and it was absolutely beautiful. And I think not only did that give me the confidence that I could still do activities and be outdoors because I had a bit of a knock of confidence from being in bed for so long. It was like, oh no, you know, I have done amazing things in the past, but what if I can't do them anymore? But it also gave me headspace that I think I really needed sort of space out in nature to reconnect with myself and with Liz and to just remember why I like being out and going out and exploring. And it was, that is when I felt my mind click back into gear. And I think that walk more than anything just got me back to being me. And the only negative with these new pills <laughs> is I, I found originally I had the shakes a little bit. So I'd like pick up a cup of tea and my hands would shake and it was noticeable, like really noticeable. The shakes have gone, but now my hair is falling out. <laughs> it's quite funny at the moment, but um, I'm definitely going to have to hoover up the carpets before my dad gets back because I'm molting like a cat. <laughs> oh gosh, it's, I've, I've heard from other people that, that that can happen with some of the meds. It's, um... it's not not useful it'd be really useful if it was like your leg hair or your armpit hair that doesn't bother that <laughs> only your head hair <laughs> typical but um I'm so much happier in myself on it that I would rather lose my hair and be happy than than be sort of in a bit of a miserable state and look good you know and hopefully one day I'll be able to come off meds entirely that's that's my dream it's a real shame that um, GPs don't understand long-term travel. Mm. I think that they describe as three months at a time. And, you know, if you, if you are going on a, a long trip, that's just not enough. And I, look, I did a lot of research when I was in Australia as to how to get the medication in various countries. And you can get it in China, but... It's a little bit dodgy. Quite often they don't know what you're talking about and they'll give you the wrong thing. You can get it in Vietnam, but you have to pay per pill. And they were something like 50 US cents a pill. So it added up. It was really expensive. Um, you can get it in Thailand. But again, it's, it's dodgy. A lot of them are dodgy batches or it's something else and they just label it to what you ask for. So I just thought, I don't want to risk that, you know. Mm. <laughs> you be able to get it from your own doctor and take it with you. But then there's the whole issue of crossing borders with a vast amount of tablets. You know, suddenly you look like you're trafficking something. You know, you've got to have paperwork to say that you're not and you're only allowed two months at a time and this, that and the other. Like it was a real logistical nightmare. And ironically, after we got to, we flew into Indonesia where you're supposed to declare everything and they opened up my bags and they saw this ridiculous amount of tablets. And I had the paperwork from the Indonesian embassy in Perth and they sort of said, yeah, that's fine. And I was worried about the, the border crossings on land because I only had Indonesian embassy go-aheads for tablets. I didn't have it for Malaysia or Thailand or Cambodia or anywhere else. But 
we actually recycled through the border between Malaysia and Thailand and we got into Thailand without being stopped and we got out the other side and we're like, don't we need a passport stamp? Yeah, they didn't even flag us down and we had to retrace our steps and say, could we please be stamped into the country? <laughs> so having fears about taking pills in across borders, like I just lost a lot of sleep over nothing for that one. <laughs> yeah. But I do, I do hear that other countries like Uzbekistan, for instance, are very tight on what you bring in. And some cyclists have chosen not to cycle through Central Asia because it's so difficult if you've got medication. So that's another reason I want to come off it, really, is uh, to try and not have to carry so much of a, of a medication with me or any at all. And it costs a lot of money abroad as well. Like it's free on the NHS, but in, in Australia, I can't remember how much I spent on it, hundreds of dollars. So yeah, it'd be nice not to have to worry anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The neurologist I saw in, in Perth said, for me, it would be an 80-20 chance of um, coming off the meds. So he was like, 80% chance you'll have to go back on them. 20% chance it will work and I'll go med free. So I'll still give it a go, but I think I'll. Yeah, no, like you say, it's definitely, it's definitely worth trying it. Mm. Um, yeah. Just picking that right time to do it just in case yeah absolutely it has to be the right time like I wouldn't I'd, I'd pick a, a year that was clear of anything yes. <laughs> <laughs> a year where I'm just going to be um you know working and uh, maybe pottering around in the garden and not doing any adventuring <laughs> and have you got one of those planned in the future <laughs> um no <laughs> no I haven't um but maybe if I do some some hiking in the UK that's kind of local and I've got a, a PLB so well, that's a bit irresponsible really isn't it but you know <laughs> it's the best an adventurer can do <laughs> what does adventure mean to you adventure means to me getting out and doing something you've never done before or doing something you love in a new location or doing something you love in the same location that you always go to but with new eyes so paying attention to the little things that you might not normally notice like the birds or flowers or new smells just getting out exploring and being open to new experiences i mean i think also if you'd have asked me that when we first spoke my answer would have been very different to what it is now i think it changes you know, as depending on your situation and where you're at and what your plans are. Sort of now I'm sort of, I've accepted that we're not on an adventure anymore and I'm getting more used to the idea that we're in lockdown and I can walk along the towpath here in London um, for an hour a day or whatever. And that is adventure for me currently. So that's why I'm sort of saying going your usual places and trying to see it with new eyes because that's what adventure is for me now but in the future it's definitely getting out back on the bike or on well getting out on my bike and going to new places or going out and hiking which I've never properly done before and just trying something new out so it's kind of you know before it was just 
I don't know how to describe it, but it's definitely changed. Like this, uh, giving me a whole new perspective. Being in lockdown and having the trip curtailed, and yeah, if you'd have asked me that when I was in Australia, it would have been a different response. So that was it, my catch up with Becky, and I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did enjoy today's episode, please can I ask that you like it, rate it and share it around. And if you do find value in the work I do with Seizure Adventure, you can actually support me financially. So if you head to patreon.com forward slash seizure adventure, it gives you more information about how to become a patron. And the money that you donate to me each month will go to supporting the podcast, supporting the work that I do, and it is really appreciated. Thank you to all of my patrons so far, and I hope to see some more of you in the future. That is all for today. Keep an eye out for the next episode at the end of this month, and until next time, safe adventures everyone. This podcast is part of the Tremula Network. Adventure and outdoor podcasts off the beaten track. To find out more, head to tremula.network.